and so welcome. Welcome to Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. And we're back. We had a fun week last week with a special guest. But we're back and we're ready to go. Um, we uh, have Matt calling from Agawam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Daryl. How are we doing today? How's everybody staying? Uh, <laughs> it was very interesting. Yeah. Different than any I've ever had. <laughs> Same here. How about Joe out there on the uh, left coast? Do they celebrate Thanksgiving or is that, uh, <laughs> has that been uh, forbidden? That's a little too American for us, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I, I did have plenty of posts on my Facebook wall about, you know, not honoring the genocide. And, I, you know, like I, I understand that we, you know, we have to think differently about a lot of these holidays that, you know, used to be celebrated. But I think Thanksgiving has never for me been about honoring what the pilgrim settlers did in 1620. It's always been about just getting together with, with friends, you know, and family to a lesser degree, let's say. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I've lived across the country from my family for most of my adult life. And I think it, it, it was, I've, I've gone to a lot of really, really memorable, really fun they call them friendsgiving dinners where you know all the orphan people get together and you know it, it, that's that's uh, thanksgiving is still one of my favorite holidays i think because it's food related and anything food related i can get behind but it was a little weird like i i was telling matt i just i roasted a pork loin and then my dog and i ate an entire roast pork loin on thursday so that's that's how i celebrate <laughs> How about you, Daryl? What would you end up doing? So this was the first Thanksgiving in my life that I was alone. So, um, oh wow, you know, so it was really, really different for me. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I do not too fond of Christmas or Easter or July Fourth or any of the other things, but Thanksgiving has always been a joy. And I, I debated going to my brother-in-law's in Vermont, <clears throat> who you know is very safe, uh, but. I was reading in the newspapers, the Washington Post before Thanksgiving, that epidemiologists were not traveling for Thanksgiving. And when I read that, I go, uh, okay. <laughs> so the people that study infectious disease are staying put. I'd better stay put. So I, I backed out. But I, you know, I wasn't unhappy. I enjoyed it. I was able to, you know, just like what we're doing right now, a, a Zoom call. Mm. I had, you know, Zoom call, saw my family and everybody. You know, uh, we have a lot of young, I have six young grandkids. And so they just are wild, jumping around all over the place. A lot of fun. Now, so Matt, so Joe, you were by yourself. I mean, I, I understand you don't count being with your dog by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just you and your dog. But now let's hear about a, a normal family uh, Thanksgiving. Matt, well, do you have a normal? Anything but normal is, is my life. But uh, this is interesting. For the first time, maybe on this show, all three of us agree, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday as well. Um, and, you know, for me growing up, my, my grandmother... Thanksgiving was her day. That was her um, holiday. And I remember growing up, we would have like 30 to 40 people packed into my grandparents' house. I have wow. in New York and, and all of my cousins and, and we would go in the front yard. Before dinner, we would play football in the street. And then, um, you know, during dinner, it would be like a, a 
five course meal soup and the honey pasto, you know, real Italian kind of thing. And then we'd play King of the Hill in their front yard. My grandfather would come out. He'd yell at us because we're destroying all his flowers. And <laughs> um, but uh, so this year we did have my parents, um, my sister and my brother came up. And so what we're, we're used to a bigger, you know, and now we're about 20 people usually for Thanksgiving, but we didn't do that. But my parents did um, come to our house and my brother and sister. And so it was, it was a quiet Thanksgiving, you know, to what we're used to, but um, you know, it was nice. I'm sure the two boys kept it from being too quiet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, well, they, I kind of finished their basement. So they're now at the age where I could be like, all right, Tyler, Jake, downstairs, you know, go, go build your Hot Wheels or something like that. So, but it was nice. Uh, we, we, Jill found a new way to try to, to roast the turkey. So we gave that a try. It was pretty good. We used a cheesecloth. Have you ever cooked with those, Daryl? I know you're into. Well, yeah, but not necessarily, you surrounded the turkey with it? So yeah, we, we soaked it, it soaked it in this butter, thyme and parsley mix um yeah and then we draped that over the turkey and roasted it. it was it was good it was good huh yeah i've never heard of that it sounds like matt you and i had kind of the same thanksgiving growing up we had you know we'd go to my aunt and uncle's 30 people mm-hmm. 30 people in italian family there's 30 people there there's somehow 35 people talking at once all the time but <laughs> But we did the same thing with the with the touch football game and just just you you just eat from mm-hmm. eleven in the morning till seven at night until you just can't eat yeah. anymore. And you know, we were a football family. My dad and his brother would play each other, you know, they were rival high school coaches, they'd play each other that morning and then they'd argue about the game all day and we'd watch every football <laughs> game that was on. I get so tired of watching the Cowboys and Lions after you know, 25 years. Yeah, yeah, they need to, they need to rethink, uh, you know, I, I know it's, it's typically the same kind of team traditionally, <laughs> but I think they need to go on a. Well, they're trying, but the Ravens can't stay out of the, can't keep their germs to themselves. That would have been I mean, a good I, game. That would have been a good yeah. game. Well, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. The, no, it's rescheduled though, right? It's yeah. But, but the, the Ravens are going to be playing me at quarterback. I mean, who knows? <laughs> Who knows what these, I mean, and, and that's, it's funny. It's something that hasn't really, you know, we've never had a plague be part of, you know, an injury rash. We've had seasons where there were lots of significant injuries in the playoffs and late in the season in both the NFL and the NBA and baseball too. But I think this is the first time that it's been so random where yeah. you just don't know who's going to show up. And the other thing is these are, this this illness is being held up as a two week illness when actually it, the effects linger for months and like right. like we talked about a couple of weeks ago just look mm-hmm. at Cam Newton and now Lamar Jackson's out and who knows you know it's the middle of the season who knows whether he's going to be back to a hundred percent by the end of the season I think we're just starting to see Cam Newton be Cam Newton again yeah. and it's been four months for him I had that exact no, same thought I had that exact same thought when I saw that and. And honestly, I mean, Lamar Jackson hasn't been playing that well this year anyway, um, comparatively to his last year. But, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think, Daryl, you and I had a conversation like this in the, uh, around the summertime when the NBA was starting back up. And I said, 
you know, injuries and illness are usually part of, you know, like it, the war of attrition, who can stay the healthiest. And, and those are the teams that are there at the end. And this is so unique in a sense that you could have, you know, you, you could have members of your team totally asymptomatic. You can have, you know, uh, you know, like Cam Newton, who, who he says he did not have, um, you know, that COVID fog, uh, as it's uh, described, but his play might say otherwise. Say otherwise, yeah. right. I mean, I, I mean, I expect him to admit that and use that as an excuse. But, you know, it's just interesting that, you, you know, you can have players, if you're sick, if you have the flu kind of thing and, and you're too sick to play the Michael Jordan food sickness game, you know, like, you know, you, you can maybe try to fight through it, but this is something where you, you're just not playing. And so it, it, it will definitely have its impact on the season. And I think for the first time now, at least in the NFL season, COVID is, is making a headline and, and it will impact the outcome of the season in the standings. Well, right, I think right there. They may have to add an extra week. Um, but, you know, one thing, it's interesting, too, the, talking about injuries. So remember, if you go back, I don't know, 20 years or so, um, that what would happen is that quarterbacks would get cold-cocked, would get buried by a 300-pound lineman, and their life would pass before their eyes, and they would be <laughs> out for a year. Um, and then that led to all sorts of rules to protect quarterbacks because, you know, it's different. Like, well, you know, like say the Yankees, if they lose Aaron judge, well, they're still pretty good. Mm -hmm. But if Pittsburgh loses Ben Roethlisberger, they're not pretty good anymore. You know? So uh, by the way, I do want to bring up Ben because with our enlightened discussion last week, I, I forgot to bring him up, so I would like to find out your guys' opinion of Ben. But we can oh, I got I got lots of opinions about good, Ben. Good, ben but let's hold on yes. for a minute. Okay, good. Um, but anyway, so you know, like those that spade of in, injuries of teams losing their star quarterback for the season led to huge changes in rules. There's not really any changes in rules. Everyone knows the rules. Keep your distance, wear a mask, you know. Um, but, you know, football is uh, expectorating on all these other players as you ram into them. Uh, and then, you know, the issue in, in basketball, they, they went into a bubble, but then some player, I don't remember who it was, went out, stopped at a strip club, and Lou, got some fried Lou, chicken Lou, on the Lou, way home. Lou Williams, right? Yeah. Was Lou, Lou Williams. Yeah. And he's, so he was punished for a couple weeks. Hey, it was um, prime rib night, I think he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, and wasn't there, weren't there other wings at that place named for him because he <laughs> loves them so much and eats those so often? That's, yeah, it's funny. It seems, it's funny. Yeah. That story seems so quaint. You know, it seems so long ago. But, you know, we went through this in March and, you know, I think we're going to have to, you know what, I I don't know, you know, the college basketball season started last week, and that seemed... Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to talk about that. But, um, but well, let's stay on I'm, I'm going to, okay, because I'm, I'm going to pee all over your college basketball fire, Daryl. <laughs> but it's my own fire as well. I, you can't do it. You can't do it. Uh, uh, let's, let's talk about Ben first, but let's finish, because um, the thing is, there's this 
huge, huge loss that happened. You know, so like, yeah, Matt and I were talking before you joined the show, Joe, you know, about, you know, what the seasons were going to look like. You know, now I'm pretty happy. There's lots of sports out there. But high school football and the Thanksgiving games, they didn't happen this year. And what a what a horrible loss for high high school athletes and students to not be able to play their rival games on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and and you know it, it's like in college sports, the NCAA, the governing body, the 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 evil whatever you want to call them. I think they did right by allowing everybody. Basically, this is like a free year for for right. athletes who right. want. But in high school, you don't have that opportunity. Um, no. You know, and, and I actually remember, so I, the first time I tore my ACL, um, I was, it, it was the summer going into my senior year. Um, and I, I remember, I did have a few coaches that I had had when I was a, playing Pop Warner. They, they heard about my injury and, and they reached out and they're like, you know, you could Technically, you can redshirt in high school, and you can come back for a fifth year. You just kind of have to fail. <laughs> come back, right? right from, yeah. You have to fail. Something yeah, fail history, day. right? Yeah. And he goes. So you have to stay in school. Yeah. Right. But it was like dream on, dream on. I, I, I what I ended up doing is I, I did a post grad year at Cheshire Academy, so I was like a, a, a fifth year senior at a private high school. Um, but you know, athletes don't have that. So it is a little sad when you think about what they're missing, what they're, and I, I lived it. Like I, I still, to this day have dreams. I'll wake up in the middle of the night dreaming that I was, I'm still playing high school sports because you know, <laughs> I, I think subconsciously I, I never was able to really close that chapter the way I wanted to because of injuries. But you know, that, that it is unfortunate. If you're in college, if you want to come back, if you, even if you're not, you know, trending towards pros in whatever sport, you have an opportunity to come back for one more sort of freebie year. Carl Pierre, if I'm not mistaken, is doing that at UMass uh, basketball. I'm not sure. Is he or not? Yeah, yeah. I think, is, is he a senior this year? He is, but I thought, wasn't he a senior last year? I'm not sure, <laughs> honestly, but I thought, but but you might be right, and you know I can't wait to see UMass basketball. But before Joe ruins my basketball dreams, um, you know, yeah, I think that's well said about the high school because you know, in, in college there's an interesting problem because with all these players being given an extra year of eligibility, if they choose to stay at the university, all of a sudden the freshmen coming in yeah. are going to have a much tougher hill to climb than, than they were, you know, promised when they were recruited, you know, that they were going to be starting right away. It's amazing watching college football, how many freshmen dominate out there. They're just, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, we, we see the, that split in, in level of talent and that's where I don't feel so bad for, for that kid, for the freshman who's going to start and play one year and then go into the NFL. I feel bad for the kid who was a walk-on or, you know, a mid-level scholarship player who just, you know, hung on for four years. And this is, and that's where, you know, you go back to high school, Matt, 
that's where it's even more irreplaceable. And that's where I feel, again, most for the kid in the middle of the roster at the end of the bench who that's their highlight is going to be playing six minutes in a Thanksgiving Day game. I will tell you this. I played in my Thanksgiving Day game. I was a captain and we won. And it, it's not, it doesn't make my life any better at this point. So I don't know. I, I understand the mentality of, you know, I think about every play that I didn't make every strikeout in you know in in high school and college and every block I missed it still bothers me you know 30 years later so you still remember them oh god I especially remember my failures I remember there's one there's there's one play in a in a sophomore year in college in a JV baseball game where I was on second guy hit a base hit into left field I came in to score and the the on deck batter was telling me to get down, get down, get down. And I just sort of, I got caught in between steps. And so I didn't know whether I was going to dive or slide feet first. And I got caught kind of in between steps and I ended up not sliding and tried to sort of step around the catcher and I was out. And where if I had slid or just given him a shoulder, I would have scored that. That was in 1990. <laughs> And it still bothers me almost every day of my life. Well, I don't remember in great detail, but I do remember Babe Ruth League. I had played mostly first base, and I was an okay first baseman. But for whatever year reason, we were playing the opening day in in, uh, Gloucester. And so there's a little crowd out there to watch it. And they put me at third base. And uh, first inning, a guy hits a, a spinning line drive. I break to my left as the ball goes by me on the right. So <laughs> great, great instincts, Daryl. That's great. <laughs> so I still remember that, I will say. But I don't remember much else. But I do remember that dreadful play. <laughs> How about you, Matt? Any embarrassing failures haunting your memory? No, I mean, I, I, what sticks out in my mind, and I'll never forget it, my, I was a sophomore making my very first start uh, at quarterback and we were playing against the number one team in the state, Shelton, Connecticut. Uh, and their starting quarterback was Dan Orlovsky. Oh, wow. Whoa. Uh, so he was a senior. We ended up losing that game. Uh, I think it was, it was uh, by one score. It, I don't remember. There were missed field goals in there somewhere. One score, but I keep playing back in my mind. I made a couple crucial mistakes in that. I, I was on a bootleg. I never yelled go, and my pulling guard and tackle never you – know, I, I went to run, never yelled go, so I kind of ran past my blockers and got tackled short of the goal line. Um, I missed – at the end of the, in the end of the game, I had a little fade route to the corner pylon that I overthrew my receiver on. Um, so, you know, I, I – so you kind of feel personally responsible? It's not so much that. For that. I think what I do is – I use my knowledge as like an, as an adult now and how I used to coach when I did coach and think like, man, I wish I had good coaching when I was in high school, <laughs> you know? And so I almost kind of coach myself and, and all the mistakes that I made throughout high school. Um, I kind of replay those plays and say, man, I wish as a coach, when I watched film, my coach pointed this out to me so I could have grown that I just had bad coaching in high school, so. 
Oh, that's funny. I had good coaching in high school and in college. I, I don't blame my coaches for any of my failures. I blame myself. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I made them. But, but it, I, that's what I replay in my head. So it's not, I'm not, Right. You know, uh, well, but it's funny how how many touchdowns did you throw? Like that's the thing. I have over an overwhelmingly num number of successful plays and successful games than these handful of failures that keep replaying over and over in my head. I'm sure it's the same way for you. You didn't you didn't throw seven interceptions interceptions for every touchdown you threw. It was probably you know two to one the other way around. So it, it's funny how you know, that's what we do to ourselves years later. We don't well, remember. It's interesting because Matt and I are educators. And one of the hardest things we have to deal with is perfectionists. People that can only do it, have to do it exactly right. They can't, you know, be halfway. And uh, it's a real problem, you know, because they have to just do it that the right way. There's no other way for them to do it. They can't sort of learn on the fly and it's really really hard to uh, work with i'm sorry daryl i'm gonna i'm gonna have to talk to you like you're a, a generation z person here what's wrong with doing things the right way why when did when all of a sudden did doing things the right now i sound like the old man but when did doing things the right way become a problem so when you start do you do things perfectly no every time every time first time every time every time first time no, but, but, and uh, you know, I'm sure I've been, I've been raised and educated kind of to the other extreme where nothing is ever good. You know, nothing's ever, everything can always be improved. And that's, you know, it, it is, it is the truth that everything can always be done better, done faster, done more thoroughly. But is that necessarily a healthy way to live is, is the, the question. And that's where I'm grateful for, for people like you who are educating, you know, young people that there are, you know, you should strive to do things the best that you can, but. But it's good to make mistakes. And that's really, really a hard lesson to, to teach kids. Well, and those, that's how we learn too. And I'm, I'm the poster child for experiential learning by making mistakes. So I, yeah, I fully vouch for that. I think that, and that's, I, I see that all the time. And, and, and in phys ed, we talk about this constantly where I, I'm, I, I preach to my students, I want you to make a mistake. I want you to learn from it. But I think like kind of what Daryl is saying is that it's not so much about the perfection or like, um, you know, not, not doing it the right way. I think a lot of times the difficult tasks for kids nowadays are kind of the, the parents step in or even teachers. I, I see teachers. And so it, it's sort of like that learned helplessness. So when things are too difficult, when you're teaching a new skill or a new math concept, rather than trying to learn how to do it the right way the kid comes up to you with their paper and says i don't know how to do it do it for me kind of thing and, and that's at least for me that's one of the hurdles that we face as as teachers now is that kids are almost scared or, or and, and maybe some of it is anxiety um but i think that's you know kids adults we don't want to see our children fail it makes us uncomfortable so rather than putting our kids in positions where they'll fail and learn, we sort of protect them from that. And that, that yeah, protect them in a negative way. Yeah.
Well, I think, and and part of it too is that I think part of it, part of the problem is the sort of ranking system that we use because, you know, for a while when I was in high school, it was really important what your class rank was. And if a parent could do something to boost their kid's GPA and their class rank, I don't know why you wouldn't do that, even if it may not be in the long term best interests of your kid if you think it's going to get them into a better college then it, you know but it but again it 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 short changes the the student if they but don't. also matt and i are dealing with kids just beginning in education and so they've got to they've got to get out of their mind that it's wrong to make mistakes it is not wrong to make mistakes it's the it's the way everyone learns well and you're in the perfect arena to teach them that because like we were just talking about you make mistakes all the time in sports and in playing games and that's just part of the game and with the lesson you have to learn is when you make a mistake learn how to correct it and try not to do it again and just go back and try to put it in, in a large degree you have to put it out of your head to so it doesn't interfere with your performance in the future and that's the thing and we always talk about lessons learned from sports and that's really the big one right that when you make a mistake there are ways to correct it. You can improve yourself and that's, you know, something you should strive to do to be better. And that's where I think we got to be careful that we don't lose. And I understand when you're talking about seven-year-olds, it's a little different, but that we don't lose the competitive side of this stuff, you know, even at that level. Yeah. Yeah. Competition is good. All right. Can we talk Um, about, can we talk about Ben Roethlisberger now? (laughs) Oh, please. So, you know, like, because, Last week, like Michelle was so spot on about, you know, um, you know, female abuse, you know, like there was no, like, there's no, and I think we all sort of jumped on that and agreed that, you know, there's no second chances for this crap, you know, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a scarlet letter around you for all your life and you know the antonio browns of the world um i don't even know what his situation is if he's ever been found guilty of anything i mean and that's a that's a a thing we talked about a lot last week too but for the just to give in case there's somebody out there who doesn't know ben roethlisberger's sorry history i don't know how many years ago this was but he was basically leading the life of king b was in some sort of bar and you guys can fill in more details some sort of bar and all of a sudden he's in the back room with this young lady and uh you know definitely mistreats her and you know he did nothing happened to him and that's my remembering of the story yeah i i've got quite a few good like long-term you know lifelong friends in pittsburgh who work in the bar industry you know work in the the they don't work in the bar where where he hangs out and where all this stuff happened but they work in the sim in in that area and they know a lot of people who work there and this has been this is not just an one incident this is something that's been going on for now probably 15 years 12 15 years where he, you know, he's Ben Roethlisberger. He's a famous NFL player. He can get young girls to come into his little back room. And so what they do is he's got his little scouts and they go around the bar and they identify the women that he wants to come. And the, the, his little scouts tap him. I said, Ben Roethlisberger wants you to come out of his back room. And there are, you know, whether it's just getting them drunk or whether there are, you know, uh, 
drugs involved that he's he's spiking their drinks there are lots of stories of women who accept that invitation and then don't remember the rest of the night other than having evidence of sexual assault or sort of a, a hazy story of it and you know the problem is and this is something that we've talked about the the degrees that we go through to protect these athletes when they do just just abhorrent things is it's sickening and it's the the fact that it's been allowed to go on for so long and i'm sure after those you know incidents went public the at least the the flagrant nature of it probably has changed you know i'm sure however get punished by the league nope no because there was never there was never a legitimate police investigation there was never a legitimate league investigation it just kind of got got brushed away as you know as hearsay and as stories and then we get into the same you know the the same thing that happens every time a woman steps forward is the credibility of these women is attacked because they were for the sin of wanting to party with an nfl star and that in itself shouldn't be enough to get you raped is is i don't think that's a that's a well but and that's an interesting point too that the the women that speak up they suffer they suffer yeah Yeah. they are not treated well and they're you know um so yeah are you um not that it really i though have you heard that those stories are still that's how he's still acting joe or no and like i said i think yeah, I mean, I, I, I ten years ago, maybe or maybe less. a little more recent than that. You know, it's yeah, seven, yeah. six, seven, eight years. I, I, I haven't heard any current. You know, I would say in the last few years, haven't heard any current. But, but after that last outburst yeah. of publicity about it, I don't know how. I mean, I don't know. I, he probably would have if it, I, he probably would have gone into hiding at that point. Yeah, you know, I no, can't I mean, imagine. I definitely. And maybe I'll, I'll take this opportunity to clear up some of the things that I said last week. I listened back to the show and, you know, I don't think, and, and I didn't mean if, if it sounded like I was trying to make an excuse and saying that we need, given an excuse for why these guys act like, you know, uh, I, I'm, I can't swear. Um, <laughs> but well, we already did. Somebody said NCAA. Isn't that a, isn't that a swear <laughs> well, word? That, that was you. There. you know, yeah. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger was, and I'll use the word was because I, I haven't heard anything, um, you know, come out recently, but he was a scumbag. Um, you know, he was, there's no other way to put it. And I don't necessarily think it's, you know, I, I think it's us as people like, you know, why do we continue to buy his jersey? Why do we continue to support? Like, that's where I think the change needs to be had. I, what I, I, I disagree with um, Michelle. The, the one thing she said was that I disagree with is that, you know, the NFL, and, and I understand her rationale behind it, is that the NFL's responsibility is to not let these guys in the league. I think it's us we need to demand that they, that we don't support them. The NFL is, is a business and I don't necessarily know if selling tickets, selling stuff, right? Like, and, and again, it's not an excuse. I, there's, I'm not okay with 
any man in power or, or human being in a position of power mistreating people underneath them. It's not just athletes. It's not just football players. But I, I, you know, should the NFL sit there and say there were allegations of somebody in college, so you just you're not allowed in the NFL? I just think that's not the way to go about it. I think it's up to us. You know, like it, it, I, I don't support Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback. Don't support Joe Mixon as your running back. You know, here's here's you know, here's the, the pro- go ahead, Joe. Well, I was say the the problem with that is we don't the fans don't have first of all don't have any legitimate power to you know we can complain all we want but the problem is I'm sure if you pulled the majority of NFL self-proclaimed NFL fans uh, an overwhelming majority would would answer the survey question in favor of Ben Roethlisberger however it was that you worded it should he still be in the league should he be punished whatever and if you if you surveyed Steelers fans. It would be 99 to 1. You'd be hard-pressed to find anyone in Pittsburgh who wasn't a victim of him or a friend of a victim of him to say that he should be punished in any way. And so I don't think you can – I understand the, the sentiment that we are – you know, the consumer is supposed to guide these things, but that's not how this is going to work. This is going to take first at first one owner, one brave owner, to say, no, I'm not going to sign Joe Mixon or – Lawrence Phillips or Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm not going to, you know, but the problem is, and as, as we've seen, there's always going to be 28 other teams, or even right. if there's only six other teams, right. It only yeah. takes one that, that, right. And there will always be that one team that wants Michael Vick or, you know, again, any one of these guys. Well, and look at, look at Tyreek Hill with the chiefs, uh, you know, he, I just, it, it's, it's awful. It's not okay. But I, I do think if we, we can do a better job of holding kids accountable. And, and I think by the, because by the time they get to the NFL, it, I, I'm not saying people can't change. People do. But usually damage has to be done for them to change, right? Then they kind of already have their makeup and the type of person they already are, our opportunity to make change and get people to learn how to, to I, I can't believe we have to do that. I have to teach you how to treat other people. But well, you're, yeah. you're right, though. But, you know, part of it is that when a spectacular player comes along, and when I say spectacular, I mean somebody who just shines in their local area. Yeah. They get treated like they're kings. Yeah. They get, you know, and and – Going way back as I can, um, there was a huge sort of scandal for a long time about football players who couldn't read at all, who were graduating from getting accepted at at big colleges and and maybe even graduating from them, unable to read, you know. Um, So it's the the, um, I'm sort of feeling the way that you two feel about the Patriots. I, I feel that way against the Steelers. The Steelers are nine and zero or ten and zero, whatever they are, and they they're they've got a really decent chance of an undefeated season. And I kind of like the Steelers, but my personal distaste of Roethlisberger makes it just impossible for me to root for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really like Mike Tomlin is just a good coach, and just you know he's been around forever now, and just even keeled, and just you know. 
he he's a yeah, I we right you I'm I'm totally with you Daryl I would love to be able to root for that team except for that one player why I remember when they played I guess Green Bay in the Super Bowl in maybe ten or eleven years ago I was watching with uh, my girlfriend at the time a bunch of her friends who weren't necessarily football fans and they they were like well who i don't know who do we root for i'm like well that guy's a rapist and they're like okay we'll, we'll root against him so everyone was happy because i'm pretty sure they lost to they lost the farm i think i don't know but, all but the it is that special treatment you know when you are you know you the star athlete as you know in grade school and high school they're treated differently they're 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 elevated sometimes by their parents sometimes by their peers and if they, ha- they have a minor dust up, it's usually covered over. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of, um, it is kind of a societal issue. Well, but it's one the, that I, I, I think it's good that we discuss. You know, and to Matt's point, I think it's not just the responsibility of the fans or the, or the professional leagues. It's also the responsibility of these kids' parents and these kids' youth coaches and these right. kids' high school coaches and their college coaches and the college administrations. It's a, it's, a, it's a responsibility that everyone needs to take. And we see certain parts of, of society taking it up slowly, maybe a little more quickly the last couple of years, but then we also have a country where 77 people voted for Donald Trump who joked about grabbing women by their private parts. And we, you know, again, we've got this certain segment of the population. We'll call them Steelers fans who support this sort of thing and are, are energized by it. And so I think any expectation that we have that sort of the collective wisdom of, of, of this this country is going to bring these things back to a reasonable place i think is i don't know i i think it's i think it's naive um go ahead joe i mean go ahead no i i just i mean i what other realistic i mean i I just i don't think the league should it's the league is is a business the nba and and it's it's not going to be up to them to police it. They're going to say, hey, if this if Tyreek Hill continues to score touchdowns, you know, they're, they it, it's not about a character league. It's about it's football, it's basketball, it's hockey. If you're good at your sport, look at baseball and all of the domestic abuse going on in baseball, and they suspend you for a little bit, but then you're back in the league. It sounds like you're okay with that, though. It sounds no, like you're no, okay allowing no. the leagues to just to just make their decisions based on how many tickets they can sell. It's not that I'm okay with it. It's that's what their job is. That's their business. I I, I I'm not okay with the behavior. But so it, it it comes to all right. How do we change the behavior? And just by saying okay, uh, uh, um, Matt Matt Baker is is entitled. And he, he treats women wrongly. And because of that, I won't go to the NFL. Okay, I don't go to the NFL. How does that change my behavior towards women? Now I'm, I'm not famous, but I'm still mistreating women. Good, good point. point is, it, it, it's not because it's not just professional athletes. It's us as people. Now, right. Matt but, growing up was really good in high school, and I'm really good in college but I'm just not going to be an NFL star. So I'm mistreating women and nobody's ever held me accountable because I'm really good in my, in my neighborhood and my, my teachers in high school, they think I'm going to be famous. So they're going to be nice to me. That's the problem. 
And my behavior is allowed to continue because people, as, as I'm growing up, my neighbors, my parents, my family members, my teachers, people who are supposed to be teaching me right from wrong aren't. And so just to think that it's going to be the NFL or the NHL or the NBA or, or you know, or even, um, you know, my professional colleagues, if I become a, a teacher and have never been held accountable and learned right from wrong, I'm going to continue to make wrong choices. We have to teach these kids and, and stop catering to just whatever, like, I, I, you know, does that make sense, Joe? I, I am not. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. That and, and the, you're right. Fundamentally, it has to happen from like, like I just said, from the bottom up, from parents, from teachers, from elementary school gym teachers on up. But if the leagues were, and it's the NCAA falls under this this umbrella too. If the professional leagues in the NCAA were more adamant about these are going to be the consequences if this is your behavior, if this, these are your tendencies growing up then you're not going to be welcome here. That would, could all be accelerated a lot because I can tell you this. Well, I coached uh, high school football in, in the LA area with my cousin, John, for a couple of years. And, you know, we had some very, very talented, promising kids, but you, you have to be more than talented to get a division one scholarship. You have to have good grades and good work ethic. And we couldn't tell them that we, we could tell them that all we wanted, but they wouldn't listen. Yeah. It wasn't until those coaches came down for their visits in sophomore and junior years. And they told them that, that we started to see any sort of change in behavior. So I think we do need, you do need the message from above to sort of. Okay. Accelerate. So let me ask, let me ask a related question. Can, can, a, can you forgive a person who, who sins? You know, in other words, can a person be rehabilitated? Say, Oh, I don't know. An Alex Cora. <laughs> oh God! Well, you, but the thing is, you can't just come say. Come on, can, come on! Can a person? Yes, yes, but there has to be a a process of you know of therapy and and counseling and group therapy and there's a whole lot of steps that have to be taken before you just say, oh yeah, no, he's he's rehabilitated. He's not going to do this anymore. And that's you know I think these are these sort of behaviors and crimes are not isolated things in a person's life. These are pattern behaviors and these are long, you have to engage in long-term difficult solutions to rehabilitate some, rehabilitate someone. I think it's, it's best if you catch them when they're 14, than if we allow them to do whatever yeah. the heck they want yeah. until they're 22. So. Yeah, I agree um, with that. And, and I do believe in second chances. I do believe in, in, um, you know, people can change. I have a problem when there's no related consequence to that behavior. And so like, like um, I, I've used Tyreek Hill's name a few times. So I'll use him. He's never been punished. He's never had to face any sort of consequence. Now you can say, and I don't, I don't know the guy. Um, you can say, well, he's a changed guy. He's been on his best behavior for a year. He hasn't had that opportunity for a second chance because he nothing has ever been taken away from him. So I, I believe, again, here's like learning from your mistakes. I have to lose something so I can learn from it. And if nothing is lost, I continue to have a sense of invisibility and, and above the law kind of 
way of life. And, and I agree with Joe where you don't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to try to slip something into a, a, a girl's drink to take advantage of her. That's, that's a pattern behavior. You, you start, you know, you, you work your way up to that almost as, as gross as that sounds, but you know, it is a pattern behavior. And so I'm yeah. all for second chances, but I, I believe strongly something has to be lost for you to earn that second chance and, and deserve that second chance. Well, um, let's, let's, we only have 10 minutes left. So let me, I want to, you know, uh, get my joy of college basketball rained on. But before that, I want to, I want to uh, bring up two uh, really interesting uh, things about women in sports. So one is that Vanderbilt, who's having a really rough year, I think they're 0-7 in the SEC, and they're really short of players. They, uh, they don't have a kicker, and they've been auditioning a female uh, soccer kicker who is quite good. And so there's a chance that she may become the first female college football player this weekend well in a in a power five, power five. it should be the first in yes, power five the, yeah. right yeah yeah katie nida kicked for for, uh, for somebody in the whack i think yeah there there have been women in, in college oh, okay. football before but not but not at this not, level not, not at right. yeah, certainly not in the sec so yeah <laughs> and so um, the other per- what, person oh, i want to make mention her name because it is important it's uh it's something fuller i'm trying to look it up real quick uh sarah fuller Sarah Fuller. So she's a, a goalkeeper for the Vanderbilt women's soccer team. And, and I believe the story is that their uh, original kicker is, is now in like COVID isolation. So yeah. It, yeah, they've got a big COVID problem yeah. at, at Vanderbilt. So she, she is their place kicker. Uh, so if, if they score a touchdown or if they are going for a field goal, she's, she's the one to do it. So that is a pretty cool story. And you know, it soccer is. soccer goalies can kick the ball 60, 70 yards easily. So yeah. Unbelievable. Um, and uh, so the other story that I just want to mention quickly, this woman reporter, her name is Melissa Ludke. And the reason she's important is she was she was the one, you know, th- there was female reporters in most of in, in some of the major sports, but there wasn't any in baseball. And so in 1970s, so she actually is a, a Amherst High grad. Um, she spent her senior year in Italy, but uh, she, uh, you know, uh, grew up in Amherst. And so she uh, was, she got herself a position in the New York newspaper uh, re- being a sports reporter. And so she wanted to, she was a diehard sports fan, like the three of us, you know, and, uh, you know, always, uh, you know, knew all the players, you know, all that stuff. Um, But so she was, she wanted to go into the locker rooms and talk to the players after the games. And it had never been done before in baseball. And so she tells a story about going to Fenway Park as a reporter and and, uh, asking, you know, where she was supposed to go. So they have a press room and they give, um, and Joe and I know this because we went to um, the uh, Patriots field there Mm -hmm. and got the the (laughs) pre-game meal that they put out. She was not allowed to eat in the press room with the men. She was sent up to a 
hire pavilion all by herself with a little sign that said ladies pavilion and sat there by herself. Um, and so that's how she broke into it. And so she ended up suing and the, co the case went, it was called Ludke versus Kuhn. And in 1978, the uh, Supreme Court ruled in favor of Melissa Ludke. And so she was allowed to, um, and other women that followed. So she was a real pioneer. And so I just wanted to mention her. Can we, can we carry this a little more forward? And because we can't neglect to mention Lisa Olson, who because of that Supreme Court decision got a job covering your New England Patriots, Daryl, and had just the most disgusting things done to her in that locker room to the point where she, you know, she sued, she sued the, um, she sued the Patriots, she sued the NFL. And this, you know, we're talking about all these things where we're just so far behind. And, you know, we've been talking for months about whether Becky Hammond is going to be given a chance to coach an NBA team. And we see, again, you know, six coaches already hired in this offseason and not even a mention for any of those jobs. And I think, you know, this stuff, we're still decades behind where we need to be on this stuff. The other thing I think uh, we need to mention, as long as we're, you know, giving shout outs to women making milestones this week was um, Kendall Coyne Schofield being named the player development coach for the Blackhawks. So that should be the only woman to coach in the NHL. Right. So barriers are breaking down slowly. But, uh, but slowly. you know, slowly. I, I will. And, and I agree. Do you think just for argument conversation, are we, who are we behind? Like what I mean by that is Joe, like, so, I agree barriers are coming down. They need to continue to come down. But if you look at where, like, um, there, we've talked about this before. Do you remember um, uh, uh, Brazil, the Women's World Cup team, Brazil? They didn't even have, they weren't allowed. Right. It had not a practice so facility. as much as right. we need to continue to make progress, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's a, I, I, this, you know, you know, where, you know where it'll be. And I don't think sports, we're going to get to 50, 50. We, it shouldn't be 50% of the NFL coaches shouldn't be women because 50% no, of, but, of the NFL experts aren't women, but 50% of mayors and Congress people should be women. We shouldn't be celebrating with trumpets. The fact that we have four minority women in the Senate, we should have, 17 minority women in the Senate every time. We shouldn't be talking about when are we going to have a, our first woman president. We should have had one four years ago. We should have, well, a, should have now another we one have this a time. female a vice president, and who, she's such a role model. Who she very likely, such a role model. Who, and it's very likely, I think, that Biden only serves one term and, right. and doesn't run. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, we, we talk about or I talk about at least using uh, Vegas odds as the predictor as the most accurate predictor of what's going to happen <laughs> in sports. We can do that in politics too. And the odds for uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Warren and Harris are pretty much all around three to one right now. Biden is at even money just because a, a sitting president has never not tried to run for reelection. But I think that, really, a, I didn't yeah, I think yeah. He, he's going to be, at least in, in modern times, I, you know, maybe go back to the first half dozen presidencies, but I, I think he's, what's he going to be, 83 Yeah, when he runs again? Yeah, I think he just 80. turned 80, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Um, all right, so listen, though. 
this is the most joyful season. There's, there's good football going on, and now college basketball has started. Hallelujah. College Hallelujah. Ba- college basketball has not started. They've already been. It does. Has, it does. And has there's started. been so many cancellations, so many cancellations. <laughs> it's only going to get worse. Why are we do? Why are we doing? I love college basketball as much as anyone. I really <laughs> tournament last year, but this is how stupid it is. New Mexico and New Mexico state, the state of New Mexico is under a, you know, again, increased protocols. You can't have gatherings of more than six people, I think. And so the New Mexico University of New Mexico and New Mexico State basketball teams are in Las Vegas where they can practice and play. Right. So they, th- that's the reaction to and, oh, and the pandemic. Toronto will not be playing in Canada because Canada uh, smartly won't let Americans into the country. <laughs> you know? and, and they get stuck in, I guess it's Tampa, yeah. right? They're in Florida. I'm somewhere. not. Yeah, I'm not sure where they. I, they yeah. I thought they talked about Buffalo, but I think you're right. No, they are. They're going down south somewhere because I, yeah. I read something that Fred Van Vliet was yeah. just grateful that it was going to be in warm weather. I'm pretty sure it's in Florida. And as we've as we've seen, Florida will take anybody. So. <laughs> um, and you know, UMass basketball, which Matt and I uh, love, um, and you used to love, uh, you know, perhaps still do. But they were supposed to be in this bubble. And they got COVID and, and couldn't be in it, which really hurts them. They yeah, do have is... some talent. Of course, I say that at the beginning of every year. <laughs> but this year, it does appear they have some talent. Well, this is a really um, bad sign. And we've seen, you know, colleges and conferences try to do what they can to reduce travel. But then we've also, you hear these stories about all these coaches that have a list of teams that they're going to call if they get a, a last-minute cancellation. So then we've got all this sort of, hastily planned travel i don't i don't i don't see this working out guys i I have have a hard time seeing college basketball going off with in any resemblance of an actual season like you said there's there's going to be cancellations games made up last minute and okay so but is that is that because is that because college kids are less responsible than the nfl players I mean, do you say the same thing about the NFL? Is it going to go down in flames too? It, it might. It's, well, I mean, it's I mean, getting close. Yeah, but it's also I mean, it's also the timing of the season. Um, you know, as things kick up, there's, you know, there there's a difference between a college student and a professional athlete. It doesn't matter what sport it is, but you know, so, uh, you know, at I. I was kind of happy that college football was, you know, no pun intended, giving it the old college try. <laughs> oh, 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 ow. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so uh, we should just drop the mic right now, right? <laughs> I think we should cancel. I think we should cancel the show. I think that's probably where the only thing I, I just, college basketball to me, I don't, there's going to be no consistent type of season I think we're putting these kids in, in serious jeopardy and for what um, the, I think the product on the court, again, when you're talking about, you know, what was Syracuse and uh, Brian played yesterday and, and they're the, the new, the controversy there. I know we're close to it on time. Uh, Beheim's complaining that he doesn't have any, pre- Oh, we went 14 days without practice. And that's why we almost lost to Brian. <laughs> You know, but but that is what it's going to be. And and so, you know, the product on the court is going to be bad at best. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, 
Oh, contraire. Oh, contraire. <laughs> College basketball is going to rock. It's going to be great. <sighs> uh, and I hope that your predictions of demise are wrong, that uh, it goes on and has a successful season. But uh, I think we're out of time, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, everybody. All right. Jesus, we could have done three hours. Yeah. Today. yeah. God, isn't it amazing? You know, like, we don't have to prep or anything. And, we like, we didn't even – there's so much. What, what, what about hey, I Mar- prepped? I prepped. Yeah. I got three, three lines of notes. Google Mar- Maradona. The oh Mar- God! The, oh my God! We didn't talk about Maradona at all. We didn't talk about him at all, and because he was really, he was when soccer was more interesting, kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and and, um, and just the 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 the. I mean, we don't talk about soccer much at all, but that that sort of debate between Pele and it wasn't between them, but between their fans, between Pele and Maradona. I mean, that was, it was, there was like, it was, it was epic through, you know, even long after they had both stopped playing and Maradona too, he, he had that thing that Bill Simmons calls the, the Tyson zone. Have you heard this term where, where he says that anything in this, he coined this in like the mid eighties or late eighties, Anything, if you read a story about Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson blank, it doesn't matter what's in that blank, you would believe it. You know, <laughs> right. any sort of outrageous thing. That's where Maradona was after, you know, after he retired. Yeah. Well, and he was a heavy drug user, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, but that's, and that's the thing too. We, we talk about the, these things that make, that compromise these athletes in our hearts, right? And the stuff that Ben Roethlisberger does to me is, wholly unforgivable where this is a guy's struggle with addiction and with all sorts of different addictions. I mean, he, he gained like a hundred and something pounds after his playing career ended. Like this is a guy who obviously had serious mental issues that wasn't allowed to address them being a soccer player, an athlete in a, in a macho culture, you know, in Argentina, they're, they're really sort of, you know, you you can you don't show weakness as a man in that culture, and I think that's you know as his story gets told more more and more in the well, end, we got something for next week. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, plus, who knows? Was there any auto racing news? <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty. The seasons are pretty much over. Yeah. Indian. Oh NASCAR thank God. Uh, oh please, come on, <laughs> you guys, Daryl, you can't you can't claim to hate something that you haven't experienced. Uh, like, uh, I, know. I hate I hate Brussels sprouts. Have you ever tried them? No. So yeah. <laughs> they're green. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually the Formula One race last week or two weeks ago was pretty entertaining. That might be the one that I send you a link to at the end of the season. They're, they're, Formula One's good too because it's an hour and 45 minutes long. There's no commercial. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, better. it's easy to watch. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, I got to get this on the air. Thanks, Chance. Have a good week. See you next Bye. week.